Hello and welcome to Shoulder Charge episode 2. Super League is back. There were some surprises, some obvious things since winning, but before we get into all that happened in round 1, let's start off with the news that has been going on since we last spoke. There was a backlash over the signing of Israel Falau. Also, just in the last day or so, Sean Wayne has replaced Wayne Bennett as the England coach. But first, we might as well start on the Israel Folau story. And a lot has been said about Israel Folau in the last few days, so we ain't going to get into a lot of it. We're just going to keep it brief. If you're not aware, the story broke. Catalans were signing him just after we, just after I put out the uh, first episode of the podcast. Oh, actually, apparently... A story in Lee Weekly refers to club chairman and they've, the quote is saying that um, they've had fans coming back, coming at them saying they're handing the season tickets back in uh, because Catalan Dragons have signed Israel Falau. And if you're not aware, Israel Falau um, put out several tweets that, several homophobic tweets but he hasn't apologised and he said it's based on his religion. However, those comments got him thrown out of a rugby union, if I'm not mistaken. But he's been allowed back into Super League, despite Super League, the RFL, the clubs, except Catalans. The only people who want him is, seems to be uh, the Catalan coach. But they didn't want to have a legal challenge on their hands, which they probably would have lost, let's be honest. They didn't want to have a legal challenge, they didn't want to lose a lot of money, so he's been allowed in. Let's just take the fact that club chairman are saying fans of other clubs are putting, giving back the season tickets. Whatever you think about Israel Filet, if you're a, if you're a fan of another club, handing your season ticket in seriously. What's it? What's it got to do with the likes of Wigan, uh, Huddersfield, etc., etc.? Why? Why would you hand your season ticket back in? I, I don't believe that for one second. I think it's club chairman showing that they're not pleased about it, trying to provide evidence that they're actually losing revenue because of it, when perhaps there's not much evidence for that as of yet. I do think it's just Chairman trying to, trying to influence it somehow, trying to get Israel Fellow out. But I think the biggest story here is, are the sponsors actually going to drop their support for the Catalan Dragons? Because we've already seen the kit supplier O'Neill's uh, totally distancing themselves from his comments, saying you know that that they've got nothing to do with it. So are they going to actually go one step further and say right? We we we're ripping up that contract because, you know, if they do, then what do Catalan Dragons say? Surely, if the revenue is being ripped away, his position's untenable, isn't it? But what I reckon is, who's going to be the first to interview Israel Falay? Because it's going to happen, isn't it? It's surely going to happen. Will he apologise first of all, and will he say something again? Is he still on Twitter? I'm not sure. I've not actually looked. But he's said it several times before and has 
never really backtracked from it. Clearly still holds them beliefs. He's, it's already known that if he does anything like it again, he's totally out. But I think it's kind of inevitable that he's going to say something again. It's in his nature. That's who he is, I think. So, yeah. We'll be hearing more from Israel Fuller in the future, I think. And the other news story that was big is England have got a new coach. And I think it had to be done, didn't it? My only surprise was that, that it didn't actually happen any sooner. You know, that that Great Britain tour, Jesus Christ. There was loads of players in one position. There was just two wingers. Blake Austin was played out of position. Quite a lot of players were played out of position, actually. Players were left out. Regan Grace, Welsh. Was he left out because he was just Welsh? Players included, that shouldn't have been there. Wayne Bennett actually had a good track record before that with England, got got them to the final, the World Cup final. But is Wayne Bennett past it? <laughs> Probably. But Sean Wayne, great, great record with Wigan, loads of grand final wins. The Ashes are coming up at the end of the season. Probably, I think we're excited for those now. And the World Cup's just a... It's it's a year away, isn't it? If we're serious about that World Cup, then this replacement had to happen, didn't it? I'm not sure whether the players... The players must have been miffed playing out of position under Wayne Bennett. I suspect that's not going to happen under Sean Wayne. He knows how to get the best out of players. Yeah, that's that's a good signing. And he's full-time as well. You know, I don't think we could get anybody better, to be honest. And he he was unemployed as well. Well, he was he was working with rugby union, Scottish rugby union, but wasn't a head coach at a Super League club or a, or an NRL club. So yeah, hopefully a new era for England, and do well on home soil in the World Cup. Because God, imagine you know you've you've got them because this World Cup's supposed to be the biggest World Cup, the worst thing you want is England on their home soil doing horrendously, probably maybe not even qualifying. Did they, I, can't, I don't think they even won a game in the Ashes, did they? Uh, not the Ashes, the, the GB Tour. Yeah, it, it wasn't good at all. I think it's surprising that he, his contract was allowed to run out and he wasn't just gotten rid of there and then, to be honest. But anyway, let's move on to the highlight of round one. And for this, I've chosen the fact that the relegation teams, not all the relegation teams, but Huddersfield and Hull KR, both won comfortably and they both heavily tipped to go down. Hull KR, the <laughs> Ben Crooks scored four tries. And it was actually 10-6 at half-time. So they obviously turned on the pressure in that second 40. And looking at the stats, the whole KR, they had 41 missed tackles. So second, that's the second highest in the league. They also topped the table for the most errors with 17. So... I don't know whether that makes Hull KR tactically brilliant or whether 
Wakefield was absolutely abysmal. I didn't see the game, but, you know, if, if Hull KR are missing 41 tackles and have got made 17 errors, Wakefield are not doing the job, are they? But that, for me, is worrying for Wakefield. And I think that <laughs> it's proving why I've tipped them to go down. And I told you Hull KR were going to win, didn't I? What did I say? I said they were going to be good. And my predictions were nearly spot on as well. Five out of six. Just Catalans letting me down. Not the first time. So, yeah. Stay tuned for me expert predictions again because this week I'm looking to go one better. I can't believe I'm just missed out there. But, yeah, let's let's go back to the more important things. Catalans comfortably beaten by Huddersfield, 32-12. Aidan Caesar's looking like a top signing. Ran the show, he was either scoring tries or assisting him. Jermaine McGilvery were there again, scoring a couple of tries. That's no surprise, that's what he does. But Catalan Dragons on home soil, where they supposedly come into their own. They've apparently got rid of all the bad eggs. They've got rid of, uh, what's he called, Tony Gigo. They added a couple of new signings, a couple of good ones as well. Yeah, looked alright pre-season. Everybody predicting top five. Saying, you know, there's no excuses for top five. They've got a, a squad that should be a solid top five. And they've been comfortably beaten by 20 points by relegation favourites Huddersfield. So, what, what, what's gone on there? And... Has Israel Fellow got anything to do with it? Enough? <laughs> you may be thinking, whoa, he weren't even involved. What's that got to do with anything? Well, whose decision was it to bring back Israel Fellows? Who was consulted on it? Is he wanted? Is he going to upset the camp? What are his teammates going to be like? Is he going to get on with anybody? Was it just Matt Dermott's decision? Did he consult the players? Is there going to be a rift now? Moving on to this week's Invocus, and I told you last week it was going to be Matty Ashton. So, I think it was an impressive Super League debut for Ashton, wasn't it? I think anyone who saw Swinton last year would have actually seen it coming, to be honest. And actually, I said last week uh, he scored 24, 25 tries. It was actually 30 in 25 games. So, I underplayed him. Steve Price, his coach, actually compared him to a Ferrari. And he's not wrong, is he? He weren't heavily involved in Warrington's tries, but we saw glimpses of his pace and what he's about, didn't we? The try-saving tackle to hold up Wigan, putting your body on the line, that was good, yeah. We saw another side to his game, and it's a remarkable rise, because I think... Matty Ashton was actually on trial at Swinton last year. And he's just 21 years old. He's naturally a winger. He didn't play in the winger position on Thursday night. And he's probably on his time because Gareth Widdop's not fit. But if he continues, he's going to give the coach a decision to make, isn't he? And let's compare it to George Burgess's debut. How off the pace was he? Very early on, Murdoch Masilla absolutely bulldozed him over. 
and George Burgess is a large guy and he went down like his heck as buds. So you compare George Burgess to Matty Ashton's debut and yeah, George Burgess has barely played in the last year but he's an established top player. Matty Ashton's just coming up. So things can only get better surely. Moving on to the game as a whole, Bev and French were good, weren't he? And everyone's saying the usual suspects for Man of Steel, Zach Hardacre, Blake Austin, Johnny Lomax, you know, the 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 normal names. But Bevan French, we saw what he could do last year, he's just continued doing that. He were by far the best player on that field. If they didn't have him, Wigan were in trouble, you know. I think he's an outside bet for Man of Steel, though. Because in every game I've seen him, he's either scored a try or assisted a try and caused so many problems with that ultra speed. But he ain't just got the legs, he's got the skill as well. We saw the dummy for the first try. Absolutely dumbfounded the Warrington defence. His passes for most of the game were deadly. But Wigan were pretty rusty in that match. Probably would have lost had Warrington not gone down to 12 men and then even 11. Also in that game, there was a lot of knock-ons and penalties given away, actually. I thought it was a bit sloppy from both sides, but it was a common theme over the weekend, actually. There were so many dropped balls, so many penalties given away. Uh. I don't know whether it's just because it's the first week back or what, but, you know, a lot of teams were rusty in that round one. So, yeah, I assume it's down to uh, uh, rustiness, but seems to be a lot of sloppy play in round one. But on a wider point, the new rule that they brought in with the, the with the play of the balls where you've got to touch it with your feet or make a genuine attempt to touch it with your feet when you're playing the ball out. What is that rule? Because I think I saw it enforced about once across all games at the weekend. And I watched quite a few of them actually. And virtually every single player did not touch that ball with the feet. So... You know what are the referees doing? Are they gonna are they gonna enforce it or are they not? What is the point of doing it once and then ignoring the fact that it's happening every single time? You you might have about tw- twenty twenty penalties or whatever, but it's the rule and they said they're gonna enforce it. So why are they not? I do, I don't get it. They they either want to enforce it or they don't. You know, make your mind up. Don't do halfway house because then teams start saying, oh, well, you're biased against us, and then, you know, inconsistencies, it's never good with referees. Also, St. Helens in press, Salford are struggling, though. I thought Salford, they were good for for a few, for a bit in the first half, but then it was capitulation, wasn't it? They were great in 2019, very attacking, but 
we did not see that in that game. Their levels were great in 2019, but he wasn't seen that much. He did assist a try at the end, I think. But apart from that, very quiet. They're obviously missing Jackson Hastings, which is no surprise. Man of Steel last year. We were told it was the best squad that they've had going into the season by Ian Watson. I'm not sure about that one. I question Kevin Brown replacing Jackson Hastings in the first podcast, and I weren't wrong, was I? Alright, he's hardly played, but I just think he's not good enough. And that defence is a worry, because... They shipped so many points, and it got a bit embarrassing, actually. It was a walkover for St Helens, and they were without quite a few players. Tommy Makinson weren't playing, nor James Rolby, Morgan Knowles weren't playing, but they dominated. Johnny Lomax had a top game, another uh, Man of Steel contender. He always has a good game. But he was involved with everything Saints had. He was either scoring tries or assisting. But the thing for Saints now is Lachlan Coots out. So adding to the injury list already. I thought the younger players uh, did quite well actually. Jack Wells be impressed. And they was expecting the younger ones to step up. And I think off the first game, yeah, that's what they're doing. Interesting to see how they fare with the top, the better sides. Thursday's match, they've got those men out injured and now they've not got Lachlan Coote. We saw how they cut up with Lachlan Coote last time, not being in. And I don't think they did that well. So I think Warrington have got a big chance because they impressed at Wigan. But, yeah, we'll hear my prediction for that later on. Moving on to the championship, I think we'll start off with the big game at the weekend, which was Toulouse v York. It was live-streamed on Our League, which I did watch. Although now, I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but I've tried going on Our League to do the predictions and whatnot. But it's not working every time I click on it, it just goes straight off and says that the app is not working. I've uninstalled it, I've reinstalled it. It's still doing the same. I don't know whether it's just my phone. I have got quite a new phone though, so I, I doubt it It would be that. And it were working at the weekend, so I don't know. Has anyone else experienced that? I'm not sure. Hopefully it's back on but by before Thursday so I can get my predictions in and... But the game, the game on our league, Toulouse v York, I thought it was actually quite bizarre. Because for most of the match, I thought, I've put Toulouse as favourites to, to go up. But I thought, hmm, I thought I might be wrong. I were really not impressed with how they were playing, actually. There were so many handling errors, needless penalties given away. They were ill-disciplined. You know, that kick out at the York player for the sending off. Seriously, what on earth were you thinking? You know, they were. I think they was already losing. They were coming to the final stages of the game. You get a man sent off. That's it. Goodbye. You know, 
you might as well go home now, you're not winning. Uh, I thought they were slow for most of the game when, when they had hold of the ball. They made it quite easy for York, actually. I, I don't think York made the most of the game, to be honest. But who got the two points? It was Toulouse. And they won 22-10. That's two tries in front. The sending off obviously galvanised him. And they were they were dangerous in parts. When when they got up to full speed, when they put the pace on, running with the ball, the spaces opened up. York couldn't deal with them. But yeah, I think it's a, a very big missed opportunity there for York. But I think last year they lost both of their opening games, and they were one of the top contenders in 2019 so they've started off very slowly but they've got the win they've got some great players there and they've beaten York who also was in the playoffs last year and they had too much for them even when they were not impressive in my opinion so I think that that confirms Toulouse are a genuine contender and elsewhere, it was also heartbreak for Sheffield. They were winning 10-4 in the first half, but Halifax nicked the two points, a last-minute try. It was just one point in it as well. Halifax actually threw away quite a lot of points. They only converted one out of four tries. So, I think it were two sides that have contending for top five, but... If Halifax want to get in that top five, they won't get that far if they keep missing those conversions. I think, yeah, both sides were evenly matched. It was a close one. Sheffield have been a bit unlucky. Yeah, no surprises there really with that one. Also, Featherstone beat Batley 38-18. That scoreline sounds convincing, doesn't it? But I was listening to... The updates on uh, BBC Leeds, I think it was. Batley were in that game for most of most of the match. I think they was they were level at half time. I think. Obviously, Featherstone overpowered them towards the end. They probably had too much for them. Probably the fitness showed, the uh, quality shone through. But I think that's impressive from Batley. Actually, you know, they they won't be happy conceding those late points but this was a Batley side that didn't really didn't really do that much last year and yet they ran Featherstone who were in the million pound game last year they ran him pretty close so yeah interesting to see how Batley go on then we've got London who won 18-14 they made hard work of their win against Bradford not many have tipped Bradford for success this year. You know, they've got a lot of off-the-field issues ongoing. They were playing in Dewsbury. But it were London, comfortably two tries in front at half-time. But they only won by four points. London, yeah, they've they've got rid of a lot of players. They've moved on a lot of players, yeah. They've added quite a few in. Corey Aston's come in. But yeah, I think they'd probably want to 
win that one more comfortably. You know, if if they want to get straight back up, you know, they've got to be better than that. But they've got the two points, you know. That's all that matters at the end of the day. It's round one, early days. Also, the two new teams in the championship, Workington... Sorry, not Workington. Whitehaven and Oldham. They didn't do that well. It looks like they might have a tough year, actually. The Whitehaven, to start off with, was scoreless against Swindon. It were 14-0. The Matty Ashton-less Swinton, that is. And it's important you make that point, actually, because Matty Ashton, obviously, was so crucial to Swinton last year. Quite a few predicting might be a toughy season without uh, Matty Ashton for Swinton. But... The dispatched of the newly promoted side quite comfortably. Also, Oldham comfortably beaten 36-6 by Widness. And that puts Widness at the top of the table, actually. It's hard to tell what kind of season Widness are going to have. You know, they, they got relegated only a couple of years ago from Super League. Went into admin. Disaster year. I think they were... They were pretty much level with what Sheffield did last year, minus the 12 points, obviously. Take away those, I think they were, they were just outside the top five. So, it's hard to tell if they're going to be in the top five this year, because obviously it was only Oldham in it, you know, no disrespect. But, you know, a good start for them. Anyway, that's the championship roundup. There were no League One last week, so... Let's go on to the predictions, obviously. I hope you're listening in because, you know, you'll earn a bit of money if you listen to my expert knowledge. First game is Warrington v Saints. Warrington impressed against Wigan. Many thinking Wigan for the grand final. Only Bevan French really impressed on that. Warrington had 11 men. And still looked like the team who were the one winning. But they did lose. Matty Ashton impressed. We are, we know about uh, Blake Aston and Josh Charnley and Joe Philbin and whatnot. But Saints absolutely dominated Salford. Now, I don't know whether that's because Salford are a really poor team this year or they just really... We're on it. You know, we'll find that out in a couple of rounds. But it's got to be Saints to win, hasn't it? You know, you look at them squads and it's Saints all the way. So, next one is Castleford v Wigan. Castleford, of course, dispatched of Toronto pretty easily. So, they're in form. Wigan, as we've discussed earlier on, got the two points but weren't that impressive. It's got to be Wigan though, hasn't it? You know, just based on the squads, the pace. I think Castleford are missing a couple of players. I don't rate them for the top five this year and that's why Wigan win. Then it's the whole derby, Hull FC v Hull KR. Hull FC are a blinding team. They thrashed Leeds Rhinos, but OKR impressed as well. They beat 
Wakefield pretty convincingly. Sean Kenny Dowell had a good game. Minichella looked quite good. Crooks, good four tries. But Hull FC are the better squad. Hull FC win. Salford v Toronto. Don't rate the Toronto squad, to be honest. I think Salford are a better team than what they showed at St Helens. I think Saints just were too good on the night. But Salford are at home. Yep, it's Salford win. So Huddersfield v Leeds. Uh, yeah, it were Huddersfield who beat Catalans, who everyone have tipped for top five. Jermaine McGilvery was impressive, as he always is. Huddersfield have got quite a few try scorers. Leeds were comfortably beaten as well in round one by Hull FC. Cruz Lehman, uh, uh, did he did he do much? Don't think so. He'll be playing his old team. Cruz Lehman will want to be proving a point, I think. Uh, yeah, I think this will be an even matched one. But who's going to get out on top? I think Huddersfield, Huddersfield will get the two points, but that one that could go either way. Wakefield v Catalans. I'm sorry, but Wakefield have just not got the squad, and Catalans they might have lost to Huddersfield, but the squad's still better. Catalans are gonna do it by quite a bit, I think. Catalan Dragons. So that's wins for Saint Helens, Wigan, Hull FC. Salford, Huddersfield and Catalans. How many home wins? One home win, two home wins, three home... So I've gone three home wins, three away wins. I think that's that's usually a good barometer of uh, whether I'm going to get these right or not. I think the ones that might trip me up are Huddersfield, Leeds, uh, Wakefield might be a surprise. There's, there's quite a few actually that are, you know, early round... Teams playing similar positioned sides, well, similar position that you would expect at the end of the season sides. But yeah, get those predictions in. You know, if if you take my advice on a couple of those, maybe not all of them, but if you, I think you'll be a richer man come next week. So yeah, that's it for this episode. Come back next week for more expert punditry. <laughs> Uh, expert predictions as well and you may you may be richer li- just listening to this podcast so you know who wouldn't want to do that see you next week yeah.